what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halvesies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. This is To Dine For The Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Sullivan. Come with me as we meet the world's most innovative and brilliant minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is the CEO and founder of TheMuse.com, Catherine Minshew. I think any time that somebody looks at you for whatever reason and thinks you're not enough, you can either let it get to you or you can use it as fuel to say, you just watch. Catherine Minshew started with $5,000 in a studio apartment in New York. She knew there had to be a better way to search for a job, and so she created a website called TheMuse.com to help millennials find the perfect job. 50 million people now visit the site every year, and Catherine is leading the way in redefining what work means for a new generation of job seekers. We're eating at Japanese gastropub Izakaya Nomad in the heart of Manhattan. Over sushi, yakitori, and a little bit of sake, Catherine is sharing how it all began and the lessons learned in building and scaling a business. Today I'm in the middle of Manhattan in Madison Square Park on my way to a Japanese restaurant called Izakaya Nomad, a place that a few years ago was just getting started, is now wildly successful, kind of like the woman I'm about to meet. Catherine, hey, Kate uh, Sullivan, good to see you. Catherine Minshew is a New York City success story a tech dynamo that hasn't forgotten where she came from. And where she came from is tied to a restaurant called Izakaya Nomad. This is one of my favorite spots. So this is Izakaya. Yes, this is, uh, goodness, I've probably eaten here 50 times by now. I love it. It's one of my favorite places in the neighborhood. It's got such a great vibe. Of all the places in New York, why did you choose here? You know, um, Every time I come here, I just have a great time. I don't know, I come sometimes for the late night ramen, for the yakitori, um, my team comes here all the time, so we get a lot of fun memories here. Um, in this space, over at the table in the front, it's just, uh, it's kind of a special place for us now. 
Catherine built her company from scratch, right around the corner from Izakaya Nomad, a Japanese gastropub located in the heart of Nomad. Nomad stands for North of Madison, a once struggling neighborhood in Manhattan that now has some of the highest real estate in the city. Describe the experience you want people to have when they come into Izakaya Nomad. Welcoming. Welcoming is the most important stuff. I mean, food has to be good, no matter what. It's a New York City. Everybody, you know, there is about a million restaurants in New York City. And food has to be good. That's number one priority. Izakaya Nomad is open until 2 a.m. and serves up delicious dishes with a cult following. What do you put on the table that really wows customers? Uh, sake and skewers. The life of an entrepreneur, uh, I saw that this place is open till two in the morning. I'm like, I wonder if she chose this because this is open till two in the morning because I know how hard you work. Yeah, I have been here some late nights, although generally when I come at least with the team, we'll come from maybe seven to nine and then I'll go back home and work for a few hours. Yeah. So it's, you could call it really good fuel for late nights. <laughs> Hi, how are Hello, you? Hello, ladies, how are you? Hello, Hi. doing Welcome. good. Okay, uh, any questions about menu? Or are you guys okay? I'm going to let you do all the ordering. Say, this is your favorite spot, so you I, do the ordering. I have all my favorites picked all right, out. Let's do it. Um, can we have some of the uh, beef short rib yep. yakitori? Sure. The asparagus wrapped in bacon. Asparagus bacon. Um, the zucchini. Zucchini, good choice. And then maybe a sushi roll? Yep. Um, Astro Boy? Astro Boy, okay. The signature dish at Izakaya is yakitori, which literally means grilled chicken on a skewer. But that doesn't begin to describe the variety of this favorite Japanese dish. These simple skewers are grilled to perfection and easy to share. The grilled squid wowed us at first bite. It's served tableside and hand cut into bite-sized pieces. It is truly a work of art. Izakaya sushi is out of this world. The Astro Boy roll is prepared with tempura shrimp, spicy tuna, avocado, and sweet potato crunch, topped with spicy mayo. It's easy to see why this thriving spot has locals lining up for excellent eats all night long. All right. You got practically knows your order. <laughs> okay. I get the same thing almost every single you know time. So, right, actually, do you have a small glass of the nigori, nigori? sake? Yep. Catherine Minchu is the founder and CEO of The Muse, a career website that helps over 75 million people a year find their next job and serves over 700 companies looking to hire top talent. The Muse also provides tools millennials need to navigate the modern job search in a whole new way, allowing users to explore different companies' cultures, beliefs, and environments before they even apply. So if you had to explain what themuse.com is, what would you say? Um, I like to call ourselves um, the most trusted and beloved destination for people to navigate their careers. Um, the idea is to create a, a marketplace, a home, people who come to the site to find the right next job, to get a promotion, to learn a skill or get a piece of advice that's gonna let them move forward in their career. And then on the other side of the marketplace, we have hundreds of the best companies in the world that come to us because they're trying to hire great people and then they're trying to train and invest in and develop those same people. So basically you're a website to help people find the perfect job. Exactly, and to excel at that job when they have it. I think your career doesn't stop when you get a job. Then all of a sudden you have to think about how do I uh, meet my colleagues and impress my boss and uh, become a better communicator, public speaker, data analyst, whatever it is that you do, there's always a next level. 
And I think it's no longer on the company to guide people down a static career path. It's on an individual to develop themselves. And, and people so are changing jobs so much nowadays. They need guidance. Before founding The Muse, Catherine worked with the Clinton Health Initiative and worked at McKinsey, the worldwide management and consulting firm. One day, Catherine decided she needed a change and began looking for a new job. I feel like figuring out what you don't want to do is just as important as figuring what you do want to do. Amen. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it can feel like a failure to people sometimes. Thanks. When, um, you know, they try something and it's not right. Right. But I think that's all part of the process. And I don't think I would be the person I am without those experiences. Um, so I always really encourage people to think about their career as a path. I mean, not to be too cheesy, but no, it, it really is, is a journey. journey. Yes. It is. Yeah. And um, sometimes that job that you hate or the job that's all wrong can actually set you up perfectly. Mm. And, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you need to move on. Right. The idea for the Muse was conceived when Catherine became frustrated with her own online job search. Do you think, I mean, did this start because you weren't in the perfect job? Yes, <laughs> in a word, uh, exactly. The, the site very much came from the, the personal experiences that I had and that my co-founder had. Um, so I, I met Alex, my co-founder, when we were working in management consulting. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wasn't going to be a consultant forever. And so I went online and I started looking at job sites. I, I literally went on every single major job search site and a bunch that nobody's ever heard and of. so many people have been in that position, exactly. looking for a job and not even knowing where to start. And it's it's frustrating. They're not, I think a lot of those sites aren't built with the individual human uh, in mind. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, just laundry lists of right. hundreds and hundreds of jobs. Right. One of them, I remember it was like 5,000 results and the top one was Associate Store Manager 7-Eleven, Secaucus, New Jersey. And I had searched for like business development director. And I remember thinking like these don't match. Right, maybe and a little overqualified. Exactly. Yes. And it felt to me like there was such a hunger for guidance and advice uh, on one hand. And companies were really struggling to find great people. And the great people are out there. You've got to have a better way of connecting them. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you like Nagori. This is, again, my... Oops favorite sake. They don't filter it, so it has a little bit of a, I don't know, it's almost like a, um, like a, it's, just, it's not chewy, obviously, but. Uh, it's got texture to exactly, it. Exactly, it's got texture. Well, cheers. Cheers, it's good, good to see you. doing this. Cheers. Whoa. All right, yes. <laughs> I know, small glasses. Small glasses. I love it. <laughs> Catherine has been named to Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30 in Media, Inc. Magazine's 15 Women to Watch in Tech, this is especially impressive when you realize she started at the age of 26 with just $3,000 in her studio apartment. Even more impressive when you hear what she had to deal with while trying to raise capital and the corporate sexism she dealt with directly. Take me back, 26 years old, did you have a problem with people taking you seriously as a 26-year-old woman, telling yes. them how to find the perfect job? Yes. Well, it was interesting. We never had a problem with our users taking us seriously, but we had a problem with, um, let's just say, other people in the space taking us seriously. Like raising money. And then on the other end of the spectrum, a lot of investors we talked to were like, I don't understand why there's a need for this. Mm. You know, Monster.com looks just fine to me. Uh, doesn't everybody just get their jobs through their networks? And I'm like, look, you probably went to Harvard Business School. Right. You might have a great network that gives you everything that you want. Right. That is not the reality for most people. Right. Um, and we did also deal with um, definitely some comments based on the fact that we were women. Yes. I mean, um, our, our early product also specifically targeted a lot of female professionals. Right. And so I had you know older male investors say, don't you think that women in New York and maybe the coast, they care about their careers, but most women 
don't really, you know, care. I was like, I, no, I don't wow. know what you mean, actually. Wow. Um, I had, you know, people tell me that all of our users were going to quit when they had babies. And I was like, mm. again, no. How um, did you handle that? I mean, that's I, direct I mean, sexism. We'll have more on her answer in just a minute. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. I think any time that somebody looks at you for whatever reason and thinks you're not enough, you can either let it get to you or you can use it as fuel mm -hmm. to say you just watch and I'm not gonna say it wasn't discouraging it was it was really discouraging but even more than being discouraging it I totally fired me up you really have to believe in a vision to get so many no's and so much rejection what was it about this idea that you really really said I gotta make this work there were two things one was this that I knew the problem because I had experienced it. Mm. It's so frustrating to be trying to find the right career path and be using tools that feel like they're stuck in 1992. Yeah. And it's frustrating to go to job interviews and put all of this time in the process and then realize you don't even want to work at that company anyway. Mm -hmm. And I knew that there had to be something better than right. what was out there. And I knew that we weren't onto it 100% yet, but I believed that it was there. And I think for all of the negative feedback that we got sometimes externally, we got a lot of great feedback from our users. And so even when they were telling us what could be better about the site, or they were you know, asking us for something, the root of so many of those conversations was, this is different, and I love this. And um, that's powerful. That was the most motivating thing for me. And even today, if I'm having a tough day, or maybe I just have been working too hard, just reading a note from somebody who found their dream job on the Muse, yeah. or they'd been unemployed for four months. Ladies, Hi. Oh wow, that was delicious. So what is this? Um, so this is a, a, a beef short rib Great. skewer. Yakitori is, um, I'm sure I'm gonna get this wrong because I'm not actually uh, <laughs> as expert as I would like, but it's basically delicious grilled skewers. Oh, delicious. And so I've gotten us um, a zucchini mm -hmm. for vegetable, uh, short rib for meat and a bacon-wrapped asparagus oh. because it's really, really good. Sounds amazing. So You could write the book on the psychology of rejection <laughs> because I feel like being an entre entrepreneur involves so much rejection that being able to handle that one situation, that one skill, 
is everything. I understand. <laughs> Keep eating. <laughs> mm. Delicious. It is so good. It's really, really delicious. Mm. I don't know that I'm particularly great at handling rejection. In fact, I think that it's still harder for me than I wish it was. Mm -hmm. um, but that said, I've gotten used to it to some extent. Um, and I think that a certain amount of rejection is just par for the course when you're trying to do something different. But I love what you said that you can either let it fuel you or you can let it defeat you. And if you don't let rejection fuel you, then you're not really going to make it as an entrepreneur, yeah. especially at your level. If you're getting rejection day after day, yeah. exactly, and you know all the best companies just sprang up overnight, then you have to think, well, maybe it's something with me. But if you realize that you know a lot of investors turned down Uber's first round, a lot of investors turned down Airbnb's first round, um, you realize that all right, you know the powers that be don't always get it right. One thing Catherine knows she got right was choosing to start her company in New York City, specifically the Nomad neighborhood, a once struggling section of Manhattan that is now thriving, just like the Muse. It's also where Catherine and her team developed their love of Izakaya Nomad and its late night dining scene. You chose to have your company here in New York. Mm -hmm. You could have had it in Silicon Valley. It, in many ways, it probably would have made sense. It's a tech startup. Why New York? I think for us, I mean, we help people get jobs in all sorts of different industries, and we help companies from HBO and Bloomberg to Facebook, Dropbox, Allstate, Geico, et cetera, hire. We need to be around not just tech companies. Um, that doesn't serve our purpose or our user base. I also think that New York is a little bit of an underdog in tech, and I like that. I like the underdog. Uh, New York is still trying to have, you know, its big successes, and um, there's really a supportive atmosphere here. And I just think the city is like scrappy and hungry, and you know, people come to New York to make it. And just I like love you. That. And you did. Still yeah. in process. In Got pro lots more to do. It's always evolving. Your life is always evolving. What advice would you give to someone? who's coming to New York to live out a dream, to do something very similar to what you've done, what advice would you give them? Mm. It's funny, the first thing that came to mind, is very pedestrian, but is keep your overhead as low as possible. Mm -hmm. um, when I first decided to branch out on my own and start a business, um, I deliberately tried to figure out how to minimize all of my expenses mm -hmm. because Essentially, the less money you're spending, the more time you have to figure it out. And I'm so glad I did, because it took us a while to really put all the pieces of the muse together in a way that would get money or raise capital, which ultimately is, is what you need to do um, to kind of keep the wheel spinning. And, um, and then with the early days of the muse, I mean, we were so scrappy. You know, you asked earlier if, if we came here mm -hmm. from the very beginning, and I mean, we didn't eat in restaurants for like the first year. Uh, because every dollar we didn't spend would get us that much farther. Right. Um, so this, so coming here, was a celebration. It was a. It, it was, was a, totally a celebration. A way to say, hey, thank you to the crew, thank mm -hmm. you to the people who are making it happen, and to sort of celebrate small victories along the way. Yeah. I feel like that's so important in life. Is to, you know, even if you just make headway one day, to kind of celebrate that. Yeah. No, I mean, this was, it was still a big deal when we put the check on the company card. We used to never do that. Just like its scrappy founder, New York City proved to be fertile ground for the Muse.com. 
Since its start in 2012, the Muse has 75 million users every year, with 65% of them less than 35 years of age. Turns out Catherine wasn't the only person who had a hard time finding a job. So what you're describing, you know, some people would call it extreme vision and other people would call it delusional. Mm -hmm. So how did you reconcile that and how did you, you know, there had to have been a lot of self-doubt in your head. Or did you, are you one of those strange unicorns that don't have self-doubt? No, I have a lot of self-doubt, but I think sometimes being an entrepreneur is, is holding two conflicting emotions simultaneously. Mm. And so... That's good. After, let's say, so early on there were days when I would pitch five investors in a day and they would all say no. And some of them would say no really aggressively, and right. some of them would just be like, no, and some of them would be checking their phones and just, you know. And at the end of that day, part of you has to say, maybe all of these really smart people are right, and this isn't a good idea. And I think you have to be fairly honest with yourself about saying, genuinely, do I think they're right? And is it just my pride that's telling me they're not? But then at the same time, you have to hold the idea that it's possible that all these people don't see it yet. And my job is to make it so that they can see it. Mm. Oh, that looks incredible. It's oh, beautiful. Yeah. So this is a gross one? Yeah, with the teriyaki sauce on the top. Because that is awesome. That is, it looks so delicious. <laughs> what advice would you give someone who is looking for the perfect job, is looking for a job that gives them some fulfillment? Apart from your website, like what kind of work should they do with themselves and questions should they ask themselves to kind of begin that process? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a big question. And um, the answer, I think, has a couple parts. One is to realize that you're not alone mm -hmm. and that it is, it's hard mm -hmm. to figure out what you want to do. Sure. And a lot of people that seem very self-confident um, are dealing with the same things inside. They're just not broadcasting it. Right. Secondly, I think it's really helpful for people to look at when they've been um, sort of in a state of flow. You know that when, when you're working on something and time just sort of disappears. Like right whether, now. Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say that there's certain, yeah, there's certain activities that just light people up. And maybe it's interacting with other people. Maybe it's really solving a, a gnarly, interesting problem. Figuring out what is it that you, that you enjoy doing. And then what do you think you might enjoy doing but you don't know because you haven't had a chance to try it. And then for those, I actually love if, if people have the opportunity to, um, volunteering or practicing or trying out a career that you're interested in before you actually make a full sale change. As we walk through the neighborhood where it all began, Nomad in the iconic Madison Square Park, the success of Catherine's company has paralleled the changes in this neighborhood, now one of the most expensive in the city. It's easy to see why she's been able to modernize the way people look at work and find meaningful ways to make a living. You know, I think that there's career-specific elements, um, the people who use the Muse, and it is a lot of millennials, they care about what it is they do every day. They want to join a company that gives them some sort of purpose, that puts them on a path to learning and development, and they care about the people they work with. We actually, we call it the three Ps, jokingly, people, purpose, path, um, to define, you know, what is it that's beyond just a paycheck that motivates people to take this job over that job. And that really is what defines the millennial generation is they would rather have something they care about passionately than the extra income. 
Yeah, that is very true for a lot of people. And I think on top of it, you have an entire generation that has grown up with the internet. So they expect to be able to see more information about products before they buy them. Why shouldn't companies be the same? Mm -hmm. They expect to have a highly visual, very sort of immersive media type experience. Why shouldn't their career search or their job search be any different? And so I think that you know, we entered a market that was very traditional and very old school. The kind of classic job boards are not a very great user experience. And we said, you know, what would this look like if you built it uh, to put the user, the individual at the center of their own search? While Catherine was just hitting her stride with the success of the Muse, the Me Too movement was making headlines. Catherine has spoken out publicly about being harassed, even physically, by male investors as she worked to raise capital for her business. You were brave enough to speak out about the Me Too movement, and when many did not, what has been the impact of you sharing your story? Um, you know, most of the impacts I've been able to feel have been positive. It's hard to know what happens beyond your field of vision. Um, I've certainly had people reach out to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm sure this will stop people from investing in you. Like, oh, really? So be it. I think there's a perception that some people in the technology industry are trying to stay so far away from it that they don't want to have anything to do with anyone sure. who's spoken out. Well, well, isn't that the fear? It's like some people won't speak out because then they get labeled as someone who, you know, yeah, is weak difficult or difficult. Or yeah, so um, how, where do we go from here? You know, I think it's really helpful. Um, I think it's important for women that feel like they have the position and the ability to do so to speak out. And it was one of the reasons why it was so important for me to be part of the conversation, because I think by telling these stories, we, we move us all forward. And, um, you know, I, I think I've also gotten a lot of very positive feedback. I've had a lot of people reach out and say, I had something similar happen and it meant so much to hear you talk about it. Or men saying, you know, I, I want to work for a technology industry where this never happens. So please let me know how I can help. And I'm going to be so much more vigilant about, about these sorts of behaviors looking forward. And I think that's so positive because it's no one person is going to change our industry. We all have to commit to making technology a place where people of all genders, all races, all abilities can thrive um, without having these deeply sort of discriminatory or exclusionary behaviors. You felt a responsibility to speak out and because of that more women can speak out. And I think that that, you are doing your part. You know, you are, are causing a ripple effect. So I, I salute you for that, I really do. When you think back to when it all began, are you still passionate about it like you were at the very beginning? In some ways, I think I'm even more passionate about it. After my time with Catherine, I am struck by the passion and vision it took to create and craft this company. Sure wasn't easy. As a young woman raising money, she was up against a lot, and she never wavered, even in the face of direct harassment. She is helping to pave a way for an entire generation of men and women to look at work differently, to believe how they spend their nine to five can be a direct reflection of their values and voice. She's a shining symbol of a changing culture that no longer wants the corner office or silver watch after 20 years of service. Instead, they want a job they believe in, where their voice is heard and their ability to make an impact is real. Well, I'm gonna make a toast. Today was a great day. It was wonderful to meet you and to hear your story. Thanks for bringing us here. Thank you so much, as I say. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefor with Kate Sullivan. 
Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.